Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys out to another Dating Prep Podcast, a podcast designed to help you date yourself and love your life forever. And today we're going to be talking about soul ties and the power of touch, principles from my book, The Purpose of Freedom, a book on how to untie soul ties and uproot strongholds. And um, if you want to join us on this book club for the rest of this year on Thursdays, as we go through this book, uh, feel free to get your book today. On Amazon, just simply search The Purpose of Freedom, Joshua Ezzy. Get your copy because there's worksheets and prayers in this book and scriptures to help you process and, and, and untying and uprooting those strongholds. But let's get right into it. I want to see where you guys are watching from. Uh, go ahead and post your city, your state, your country, or whatever you want to post. We'll love to see where you guys are coming from in the next um, two minutes or so. We'll get started. Just want to do some engagement. And for those who's watching later, or listening later on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. I want to say thank you guys so much for watching. Um, I greatly appreciate you guys' support. Uh, what's up, Louisiana? What's up, Maryland? What's up, Houston? Kevin from Houston. Dove Gray from Maryland. What's up, uh, uh, Roba Bear? Uh, oh, uh, what's up, New Jersey, New York? London's in the building. OKC, currently in Indiana's in the building. Virginia, VA. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you guys for bearing with me this past week. Weekend, I had a bacterial, bacterial infection, so I've been out for some time. That's why you guys haven't gotten content, um, but today I feel a whole lot better. I've been doing a bone broth fast. Hey, what's up? What's up, y'all? Bone broth fast for three days with no food, so today was my first time eating, so you could tell I look a little slim. Lost about 16 pounds, but um, I'm healed. I'm good, and I'm ready to serve. Minneapolis, what's up? Seattle, Toronto, I know you happy. You guys got a championship. What's up, everybody? Australia's in the building. What's going on? What's up with Travis from Wisconsin? Hope you guys are doing exceptionally well. Today we're going to be talking about the power of touch and how we cannot awaken things before their time. What's up, Kayla from Maryland? What's up, Tennessee? Hope you guys are doing exceptionally well. But for those who got their books, let's turn right into page uh, 39. Oh, I'm glad to be back. What's up, Philly? Glad to be back. Glad to serve you guys. So based upon how I'm feeling, I may not go my typical hour and a half. I may just go an hour depending on how I'm feeling. Uh, but I feel great, but I just don't know where my strength is. I know my strength is in the Lord. But in regards to load, I got to do like uh, Kawhi Leonard. I got to do some load management. So I got to make sure. Uh, what's up, New York? Got to make sure I, I balance myself. But page 39, we're going to be talking about the power of touch. The Bible says in uh, Songs of Solomon chapter 8, verse 4, it says, O daughters of Jerusalem, don't awaken uh, desires or, 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 or love before it's time. And even though that's addressed to women, what's up, Vancouver? Um, even though it's addressed to women, it's addressed to all of us, not to awaken certain things for their time. But before I get into that, let me get to the problem. Many people are, are awakening internal emotions before their time. What's up, Atlanta? Many people are awakening internal emotions before their time. It is our responsibility to make sure we understand time and pace, that we understand the will of God, that we understand that we are ambassadors in this world. What's up, South London? We got to make sure that we understand that not everything is supposed to be enjoyed before it's time, that it doesn't matter how strong a desire a child has to drive. If they are not of age, they are not able to drive. But even though they're not of age, doesn't mean, what's up, Canada? Doesn't mean that they, not, they will not one day drive. And that goes with a lot of different things in our lives. 
just because you desire a husband, just because you desire a wife now and you can't have it doesn't mean you won't eventually have it. But the wisdom in it is that I prepare myself to a to a person where I'm able to steward that gift, to be able to steward um, what it is that God wants me to do. Now, um, let's get right into what we're talking about is touch, because I don't have too many points outside of what I have in my book. What's up, uh, small town in Texas? Well, let's get right into it. Our largest organ is our skin. Scientifically proven. <laughs> our largest organ is our skin. The skin has multiple functions. It lets us know when we are cold and hot. It's a protective shield. And it lets us know when we have been touched. God has given us an organ called our skin which was designed to do multiple things. It was designed to let us know the temperature, designed to let us know how we're feeling. It's designed to protect us. It's not the strongest barrier, but it's our strongest barrier in protecting our internal organs and protecting uh, us from any type of outside sicknesses that could try to come through the skin. The skin is also designed to let us know when we have been touched and it's our responsibility to manage touch. Not everybody should touch you. Not everybody should touch your mind. Not everybody should touch your heart. Not everybody should touch your, your, your life. Not everybody's supposed to touch your body because in doing so, due to desperate need, if you welcome people in your life because you're in desperate need to be touched, then you could be easily manipulated. And a lot of people are being touched mentally, touched emotionally, touched physically, or even touched perversely spiritually and it's affecting their lives. Who is touching you? Who is touching your body? Who's touching your mind? Who's touching your spirit? Who's touching your heart? Because anything or anyone that we allow into our lives to touch us deeply will be the sole source used either by God to help us through or by the devil to put us through. See, I, I, I want to be around people and I want to associate myself with things that will help me through not put me through. See, a person or a thing that helps me through is like my bone broth. It's helping me through my fast, like food, uh, changing my diet, helping me through my life, my wife who's helping me through life. There are certain things that helps and, and, and pushes me through and helps me through life. But there are some things if through my ignorance or do my indulgence or impatience that can put me through <clears throat> unnecessary things. So we have to make sure that we guard what touches us? Let's keep going. It lets us know when we're hot or cold. It's a protective shield and it lets us know when we have been touched. Touch is a powerful sense due to its ability to communicate with the mind. As soon as you feel hot, your mind says, take off a shirt. Your mind says, cut the air on. If you're cold, the mind immediately registers and lets the body know, hey, uh, well, let me go ahead and um, put on a jacket. Um, 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 skin lets me know mentally if I've been intruded, if I've been wounded and, and, and it goes into operating into healing itself. Um, my skin also lets me know when I've been touched. So my mind registers whether fight or flight, it registers whether it's a delight or to use my might. It lets me know a lot of different things. And it's important for us to understand, um, the different layers of touch, even mentally, even emotionally, even spiritually outside of physically. Let's keep going. Touch is a powerful sense due to its ability to communicate with the mind. Every touch registers a category in our minds. Every touch registers a category 
in our minds. A register if the touch was good, dangerous, accepted, sexual, or inappropriate. And it also attaches a person to that touch as well. The communication between your mind and your skin is exceptional. Every touch has been registered. If you have been inappropriately touched, it registers in your mind the touch and what kind and the person and what kind they are immediately. If you've been touched sexually, whether it's your wife or a mistress, your husband or a sugar daddy, either way, it's going to register in your mind based upon the level of pleasure that person and what kind of touch that is. Every touch registers a category and the person as well. Right now, you can already register in your mind. You can go through the register of your mind and you already can formulate the person and the pleasure, the person and the touch already. Every one of us know our first sexual touch. Every one of us can, to a degree, remember our first inappropriate touch. All of us can remember that, and that's why the enemy loves for us to be um, um, so caught up in our feelings and so desperate in need for things that we welcome these unnecessary people too deep into our lives to touch, even hugs from a friend. You're right. You got to make sure that you have guards. You got to say, you know what? I know who I give a pound to. I know who I can church hug. I know who I can all these different things because touch registers things. Touch touch can be confusing. Some people, they just gave you a pat on the back and based upon your previous engagements with people will now have you all over the place like, oh, do she like me? Oh, do he like me? Oh, do she like me? But that person was just trying to give you a friendly touch. And that's why we have to make sure that we communicate with our mouths to find clarity on why the touch was there if we find ourselves confused by someone's touch. But also there are certain touches that you that you know exactly what the motive is and you got to put some of those people in check. But so many people are insecure, upset, uh, uh, impulsive, impatient, and they just want to be held. Be very careful for deep desires to be held. Let's keep going. A lot of us have been touched appropriately sexually and physically and within the right context are fine. That's why the Bible says don't awaken certain touches, certain loves before it's time or certain desires before the time, because in doing so, you set yourself up to be hurt. So many people, we, the devil knows if I can set up a system that's overly sexual, overly lustful, if I can develop a culture that's so impulsive and impatient, all I have to do is have a bunch of people engage in certain things at 18, 19, 17 or 16, early 20s. And that perverted touch of two people not knowing what they're doing or one person perversely doing what they shouldn't do, a molestation, a rape, a boyfriend, a girlfriend that wasn't meant to be, a sexual first time having sex, second time having sex, leads to a per, uh, to perverted thoughts, leads to damaging thoughts, and it affects people going forward. And it's important for us to understand how to guard our whole selves. And it isn't good for a man to touch a woman. That's right. It's not good. It's basically, it's basically good for believers to look at each other as brothers and sisters. That it doesn't matter who it is. Get some bone broth. It don't matter who it is. I got to always look through the lens in my eyes. This young lady is a sister in Christ, period. One wife, sisters in Christ, the rest of them. 
Fellas, you got to know that. Hey, this is my sister. I have to engage appropriately because if I start touching, if I start utilizing my, my whatever to weaken her, to accomplish what I want, it leads to, uh, it leads to hurts. Let's keep going. A lot of us have been touched appropriately, sexually and physically, and within the right context are fine. We've all, there, there's nothing wrong with being touched. Nothing wrong with a dap. There's nothing wrong with a hug. Nothing wrong with uh, a handshake. There's nothing wrong with a playful hug, a playful uh, push. If you married, nothing wrong with sex while you married. But a lot of us have been inappropriately touched. We all have, to some degree, experienced the negative effects of these touches as well. We've experienced the negative effects of being touched randomly, playfully, sexually, pervertedly. And the negative effects of those touches the enemy wants to prey on because he knows that when the touch has already been done, the mind is already in a registering state. And now there's a sense of compulsion, there's a certain sense of confusion, there's a certain sense of distraction, keeping people from being who they need to be and from overcoming certain soul ties. Let's keep going. A lot of us have been betrayed by a touch as well. What we thought was a love touch was a touch filled with an agenda of lust. Ooh. How many of us have been there? Betrayed by a touch. What's up, Bronx? That, that many of us have, we thought it was a welcoming embrace. We thought it was someone legit. We thought it was someone that was on our side. But come to find out that 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 uh that nice touch that yeah that's right it's a trap a lot of these touches are traps they're touches that leads to a trap but we have to understand that it's okay to be it's okay to tell people what they need to do it's okay to set boundaries but if a person doesn't have boundaries on the inside they won't have boundaries on the outside that's why i don't have a problem uh letting people know where their place is respectfully. I don't mind. I don't have a problem telling people how far they can come into my life because I got to make sure that, that that there are layers and who can get in contact with me. Not everybody can just get in contact with me. Not everybody can just touch my ear and touch my mind and get a grasp because I know the beauty of, 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 of the beauty of energy that I just can't allow myself to be touched by everyone because I'll be drained in the process. Let's keep going. What we thought was a love touch was a touch filled with an agenda of lust. What we thought was an embrace was a lie. Satan knows the need we have for a touch and he knows the effects of not being touched and the effects of being overly touched. There's three types of touches. That's let's listen here. Um we the effects of not being touched and the effects of being overly touched. There's two of them. When a child grows up in a home, not touched, not hugged, not kissed, not touched mentally, not touched emotionally, not touched spiritually by their parents properly or by their village properly, it affects that child going forward. When a child has been overly touched, twofold, overly touched, overly loved, loved beyond the limits, that child becomes spoiled or extra friendly. A child who has been overly touched sexually and pervertedly also leads to negative effects. The negative effects of being uh, um, um, not touched is not knowing how to be around community, 
um, not knowing how to be touched in a marriage, uh, the effects of being overly touched in a in a home where there's no no sex involved leads to a friendly behavior, leads to um, a lot of different things. And when a person has been overly touched um, physically, pervertedly, it leads to them, there you go, craving, craving attention, craving more sexual touch according to how they was been, how they've been touched. Let's keep going. Satan knows the need we have for a touch and he knows the effects of not being touched and the effects of being overly touched. When a person grows up in a home where they have never been touched as far as an embrace or cared for, then that person will long to be touched. And when a person has been overly touched in a negative sexual way, then that person too will be looking to be touched or to touch. Satan wants us all to long for the physical touch over a spiritual touch. He wants us to know that, oh, if you haven't been touched by God, set free by God, thirst quenched by God, then you're going to naturally be in this overwhelming spiral of wanting to be touched by someone. When people are not content, they're easy to be, they're easy to engage themselves with people. Listen, when you're content in God, you don't really, you don't want no man. You don't want no woman. Because you know, not any man, not any woman would do. That I'm so content with God that I trust him and that I know that in his perfect timing, he'll do what he said he's going to do. But when we're not content in God, loneliness sets in. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Being alone is I'm alone. Being lonely is the overly, overly, uh, the over dwelling of being alone. Being alone is, is proximity. Loneliness is perspective. Listen, yes, proximity, I'm alone, but I'm not alone in my heart because I've got spirit in me. Loneliness is the overindulgence in the idea of being alone. It's a perspective. Yes, you're alone. Yes, you may feel lonely. Or let me put it this way. Loneliness is the byproduct of the mental indulgence of being alone. So now loneliness has set in as an emotional default <clears throat> in you. And now your mind is now trying to help you. What can I do not to be alone versus why am I am alone? Because many of us, if we look at our lives, we can see why we don't have nobody. We can see why we haven't been promoted. If we took a thorough examination of our habits, our heart and our head. Our head, how we think, our heart, how we feel, how emotional, how we steward them, and our hands, how we how we use our hands, how we do with our habits, all those things play a part on why no one or some things are not in your life. And when you understand that, you will say, you know what? Thank you, Father, for not bringing someone in my life. Thank you, Father God, for not, for not giving me that promotion because now I see the purpose of this season. Let's keep going. Uh, where I lost my place. When a person has been, okay, when a person has been touched spiritually, hear me, and has allowed that spiritual encounter to nurture their mind and soul, then that person will build a discernment and an empathy that will guard them from being touched or to touch. It will inspire them to touch the world. That's a loaded sentence, but it's very profound. When I've been touched spiritually by God and I've allowed that touch to nurture my mind and my soul, to renew it. Tell me, understand why I'm where I am. Tell me, understand what am I supposed to do in life? Nurture my mind and my soul. Then I will build a discernment and empathy that will guard me 
from being touched or to touch. It will guard me from, okay, I'm not going to allow you in my life to touch me mentally, emotionally, or physically. I'm not going to know because I already know you. I got the spirit of God in me. I can discern that you're a betrayer. You're not supposed to be here. Or if I am confused, the Holy Spirit, because I'm connecting him and loyal to him, will help me get you out of my life. And it will keep me from touching. See, most of us are not culprits of being, most of us are not, um, um, uh, uh, I have issues with being, some of us have issues of being touched and some of us have issues of touching, <laughs> touching things. So some of us have been abused and have been touched or have welcomed people to touch us, but also or, or our minds or whatever. But some of us have our needs to know, okay, I know not to touch her. I know not to, to try to touch her mind. And what most guys do, they'll get this feeling that God says that this woman is the one for them. Or the lady will say, this is the man for me. And what happens is, Based, in the, based upon them not having discernment and understanding, they go and try to trigger, trigger. They trigger her and out of her place of comfort, trigger him out of his place of position. And all of a sudden now you done touch their interest, touch their mind prematurely. Some of us, we haven't been touched physically, but our interests have been touched. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, neither things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. No one just loves something without first being interested. The devil wants you to be intrigued. He wants to build your interest towards certain things so that those things will either touch you or you will touch those things, leading you into being trapped, right? So what happens is many people are triggering, touching people's interests before the time. That's why it's important for us to, 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 to be in pace with God. Just because you see a good thing and it might be yours, you might see someone and you really hear God saying it's the one for you, keep that to yourself. You don't. You, the best way to know that God has confirmed someone for you is to let that person hear from God for themselves without you even giving the illusion. Some people need to stop with the illusion. See, some, some people out here, they're, they're so desperate in need, they may not tell the person they're the one, but they'll give off uh, uh, the physical, emotional uh, 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 warning or alertness, getting that person to be intrigued. No, man, we, all of us have to be quiet. You got to be you gotta be walking incognito. Uh, you got to be walking as a spy and keep that to yourself because some of y'all have believed that someone was the one for you and it was all indigestion. It was all uh, insecurities. It was all uh, you just being caught up in the idea of a person. Listen, you can be caught up in the idea of a person, but when you meet that individual in the flesh, you want to be caught off guard and realize that person was nothing for you. And so many people get so caught up in the idea of a person that the idea they have for the person is not the individual. And then when you meet the individual and you allow infatuation to get in the midst, all of a sudden now the infatuation, when it has subsided, you realize the idea of the person and the individual of the person is not the same. And what most people confuse themselves is before they realize that the individual doesn't match the idea that they have for them, they already married, already got a kid by them, already caught up in soul tie and deep in it. And now you sitting there with someone that wasn't for you. Now, there are a lot of people, not a lot of people, but the one person that God has for you, you have to be matured and ready to be with that individual. I don't, you don't want nobody to just love the idea of you because the idea of you doesn't match the you, you. The real you is different than a person's idea. 
That's why I used to always guard myself because people who binge watch videos of mine or who watches my videos and they meet me in person and they want to join me and help me in ministry. Back in the day, I had to realize that a lot of people have been caught up in the idea of Coach Josh versus Joshua Ejike Eze. Coach Josh and Joshua Ejike Eze is two totally different people. Joshua Ejike Eze has moments where the Holy Spirit is not using him in preaching. So what happens is when a person meets the real me, but they still caught up in the idea they have of me, now they're confused and now they're out the building. That's why you got to make sure you limit yourself and not let everybody touch your ministry, touch your children, touch your life, touch your possessions. Because if they get so caught up in the idea of you, but don't have the long suffering and the patience for you, everybody got the goods for you, but not everybody got the grace for you. Woo! Everybody wants your goods, but not everybody has the grace to endure when those goods are going through a bad season. And you got to know the difference because a lot of people will come to you and stay with you for a period of time. But when you begin to show your real self, they out the door. That's why you can't allow the uh, desperate need or the overzealousness and intrigueness of other people cause you to have them to touch things prematurely, not knowing that when you allow them to touch those things, now your children fell in love with them. Now your, your family knows them and all, now everybody's confused. I thought you said that person was the one. Nope. You got to be careful. You got to set boundaries because not everybody who comes to you is there to be with you. A friend is a person who endures to the end. The root word of friend is end. A relationship is a person that you can relate to on a ship. You got to make sure, do we relate? Are you truly my friend? Hey, you write boundaries, exclamation point with the hands up. That's real. Boundaries must be set. But a person that's not a person of purpose, a person who doesn't know who they are in Christ, a person who's dealing with insecurities and issues, they welcome anybody. See, I have this I have this analogy. There are certain people I talk to, I give the analogy, outside of the fence. Hey, what's up? How you doing? But I won't let them in my yard. There are certain people I let in the yard, play with the dog or whatever, dogs play or whatever, but I'm not going to sit with them on the porch. There are certain people I'm going to sit on the porch. They may come through and sit on the porch. We sip some tea, right? Or I'll do my bone broth or something, but I'm not going to let them in my living room. And people I let in my living room, there's only one person in within any living room that's welcome into my bedroom. There's boundaries. And, and so many people are letting off the curb people into bedroom intimacy. Why are you letting people who should be on the streets in your sheets? Why are you letting people that should be out there and coming inside of you and you going inside them? It's crazy how we have this desperate need and we allow this, this, this intoxication of the brief moment of a sexual experience confuse the heck out of us. And then all of a sudden, this person who wasn't even supposed to be even in your yard, you let in the confines of your bedroom and then now you confused. Now you messed up. Now that brief two, two and a half minute sexual experience, two and a half to 20 minute sexual experience just now ruined you for months. Now, listen, that's why I tell people, don't step out on your wife. Don't step out on your husband because you don't know what you got until you're in the room. You don't know what you got until you see that person. And then you get into the room with that person. That person, as, as those their body don't look that good, or you get so caught up in, oh, I just want to have sex. You have sex with the person. Now you done cheated, and it wasn't even worth it. You don't know the worst of it until you are in it.
That's why it's best to know the worth outside of a scene than to try to find the worth in a scene. Thank you for finding me on YouTube. Thank you for watching. And it's important for us to know the difference of people. You shouldn't be allowing people who should stay in the streets with you in your sheets. Let's keep going. All right, where am I? Then that person will build a discernment and an empathy that will guard them from being touched or to touch and will inspire them to touch the world. I got to be on guard from touching. I got to be on guard from being touched. And I have to be on guard to make sure I touch the world. The enemy doesn't want you spiritually touched. He wants you physically, emotionally, pervertedly touched because he knows those who have been properly touched by God and allows that sanctification work to work on them. Then they will guard themselves from touching prematurely. Which book am I reading? The Purpose of Freedom is my book on soul ties and strongholds. It's available on Amazon if you want to join this book club and have the book in person. And I have activities like this one here. I got boxes all through the book um, that will help you understand these soul ties and strongholds. But that person would then guard and say, you know what? I like her, but I know as the man or as a man, I don't even want to I don't even want to draw her away from God. I'm a God. I feel like she's the one. I'm gonna keep this to myself because I don't want I don't want to lead her on. I don't want to. Uh, she's off. She's off and stay off. Here's another. Here's another gym. Stay off. So many people want to stay on. Oh, some of us got to be cut off, you know, cut off. Just turn the switch. I'm off to the idea of being married. That's what you got to do. Those who want to be married have to cut themselves off with the over uh, uh, indulgence in the idea of marriage. You got to turn it off. That's what you got to In order to be content, you got to turn it off. You know what? I'm not going to think about marriage. You know what I'm saying? You got to get to it before you even think about a person. You got to be able to look on Instagram and not be affected by other women going through their wedding seasons or other men getting the wife of their dreams. You got to be able to say, you know what, God, I'm turning all of that off. And what I'm turning on is me towards you. And a lot of us men, we mess up a lot of women by, by turning what they turn off with uh, causing them to leave their place of contentment, leave their place in God, and we're not ready. Listen, you got to be ready. And ready doesn't mean you got dressed and you're ready to go. Ready just means am I prepared to be ready the full day? I can get up and get ready, but if I rush to get ready and don't put my belt on, then the whole day I spend on the whole day I spend trying to pull my pants up. You got to make sure you ready, ready before you reach out to a woman who's content in her singleness. You got to turn off the idea of marriage and let that be. Control what you can control now, which is your singleness. Control what you can control now, which is your marriage. And whatever it doesn't contribute to your marriage or your ministry to God or whoever he has called you to, cut it off. Turn it off. Due to me idolizing, I'm telling you, turn it off. Turn it off. All right, let's keep going. We all need a hug. We all need a kiss. We all need a playful push. We all need sex if we're married. We were built to desire and need these things, but whenever there is a deep need, God knows your need, but God doesn't meet deep needs. Ooh, God will meet your needs. The Bible says he'll meet your needs. Um, what's the scripture say? Uh, God will meet your needs according to his riches and glory 
by Christ Jesus. I love that verse. He'll, he'll, uh, what's the verse? My God shall supply my all of my needs. There we go. I love that. Let's break that down. My God shall supply all of my needs according. See, people look at that verse and they say, well, God will meet all of my needs. Well, God will meet you, God. Here's my needs. I need a man. I need a woman. I need money. I need a job. I need this. Need, need, need. God says uh, that he'll supply all of our needs according to two things. God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and according to his glory. People want access to God's riches, but do not want to honor his glory. God is not going to give you anything from his riches that's not going to give him glory. That's not going to honor him. So you got to make sure that your place is in a heart of, of stewarding the riches you already have been given and ensuring that everything you do reaches for God's glory. And then you will begin to see all of your needs met. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, all of his righteousness. See, the thing is, some things, all some things are added when we only seek some righteousness, it, it, or we seek him first and another first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. God, am I righteous? Is my habits righteous in this area? Now I'm in right standing with God. There's two types of righteousness. There's the righteousness that I that, that I am because of what Jesus did. And there's a righteousness or righteous living that matches my righteous stance. I got to make sure that, yes, I know that I'm the righteous in Christ. But you got you also got to make sure you know, first off, make sure you renew your mind in the area of who you are in right standing with God. And that helps you with your confession of sins. It helps you with repentance. It inspires you that you're not doing that, that, that nothing that you do is out of your righteousness, because the Bible says your righteousness is filthy rags. So when I know that righteousness has been imputed on me by Christ, I know my, I'm in right standing with God, that, that no matter what happens, I can go to God boldly. I can approach the throne room of God boldly. So I'm righteous in God. Nothing can change that. Nothing can remove that. I'm in right standing, not because of my works. I'm in right standing because of the work Christ did on my behalf for my behalf. Now, most of us have to understand the beauty of the sanctification process that ensures that we have a righteous living that matches our righteous stance. The Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. How does a man cleanse his way? And I forgot the rest of the scripture, but what I'm trying to say is that many of us, we are in right standing, but we're lazy in making sure that we become, that all areas in our life have become righteous. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. If it doesn't matter how well and how bad I want to be a great husband, if I'm not righteous <clears throat> when it comes to what I do alone, if I'm not righteous when it comes to my interactions at work, if I'm not righteous when it comes to uh, if I'm not if I'm not doing the right things, there we go. Let's break it down. It doesn't matter how bad I want to be a husband. If I don't do the right things alone, if I don't do the right things at work, if I don't do the right things wherever that that affects my marriage, it's going to affect my marriage. So even though my marriage is sealed, right? Even though me and God are sealed, what I do, if there's things I'm doing wrong here, it affects the relationship and it affects what the relationship was used to affect. So when I seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, all the things will be added. Some righteousness, some things added. All righteousness, all things added. Because most of the things are added based upon a, a righteous living 
that has stewardship at its core. So the Bible says he'll supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. If you want things to be added to your life, if you want your needs to be supplied, you have to look at your life and say, okay, I know God's got it. Most of us go to God. God, I know you got it. God, I know you got it. Help me out. That's why I tell people sometimes, stop asking God for money. Stop asking God for a man. Stop asking God for a woman. Stop asking God for a mate. Stop asking God for different things and get mad when he gives you what you need. What happens is people be asking God for money. God, I just need this money. And God gives you an idea. Because if God keeps giving you money, you end up being lazy. But if God gives you an idea that helps birth generational wealth, which one's the better answer? But what we need, most of our needs are deep needs that God ain't God ain't required to meet. God ain't required to meet my deep, soulish, earthly, fleshly needs. The Bible says when you pray and you ask, he says you ask amiss because you only ask him to consume of your own lust. That's what you do. When you pray your prayers, before you even pray your prayers, write down what you want from God. And then write down why you want it from God. Because if you look at your heart, you have more real estate in your prayers. And what most people do, God, I want this. Give me this. Give me this. And God's like, I see your heart plain as day. Because if I give you this man, you're going you, you, you gonna, to you gonna hurt the man. If I give you this woman, you're going to only hurt her. If I give you this ministry, you're only going to hurt yourself. You're not ready. But what God has given us that trumps all that is free will. I'd rather be in his will than to be in my free will. Or what I mean by free will, being in my selfish, lustful free will. Because many of us allowed our free will to imprison us. Let's keep going. Whenever there is a deep need, that need will lead to perversion. All deep need leads to perversion. I have a deep need to be sexually taken care of. I have a deep need to be with somebody, it's only going to turn into perversion. You're going to start accumulating perspectives, patterns, headed towards perversion. Let's keep going. God warned us not to awaken things before their time. He said this about love. Let's turn the page. Whenever we awaken something prematurely, that mature thing will expose our immaturity. Woo. That's key. Whenever we awaken something prematurely, that mature thing will expose our immaturity. Now, listen, prematurity and immaturity. Hold on. That's the same thing. A, a premature engagement or a premature encounter doesn't take away the mature thing. Mar people don't break marriage. Marriage breaks people. It's mature, mature marriages for mature audiences only. Immature people get up under mature things and that mature thing breaks them. The enemy loves for immature people to engage with mature things prematurely. Engaging with sex prematurely. Immature, too immature people prematurely having sex leads to perversion. Too immature people getting married prematurely leads to that marriage hurting them. Anything you do in an immature state prematurely is going to drastically affect your life. Let's keep going. Because I only got about 20 minutes and I'm going to go. 
That mature thing will expose your immaturity. It will prove to us that we are incapable of managing it. God cares about your ability to manage things. It's that simple. God cares about your ability to manage. God did not give me my wife to be my wife until I was ready to manage. Now, there's going to be some insecurities because the question would be, well, how do I know if I'm going to manage me? And it's not about if you know, it's about if he knows. There's going to be certain things that God puts you in that insecurity is going to rise. You will never overcome insecurities. And what I mean by that, you will never you will never be able to stop the rise of insecurities, but you can you can you can uh, you can um uh uh determine the effects of that insecurity. Now what I mean by that? Uh when I got married, the first day of marriage, there were some insecurities. I've never been a husband before. So you know what that insecurity made me do? Secure myself in Christ as a husband. <laughs> Every day, I listen, I take my marriage one day at a time. I do not think about next, I don't think about tomorrow. When my wife we want to plan so we plan it, but I don't think about tomorrow in regards to distracting me from today. It's not, it's not, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to think about tomorrow as long as your thinking of tomorrow doesn't distract you from today. Most of us live in two different places, but never in the present. Many of us live in what's what could be, and we we live in what what did happen. We live in the past and the future when we live in the present. Never think about tomorrow because the Bible says tomorrow will take care of itself. Only time you think about tomorrow is if tomorrow, if you're thinking of tomorrow doesn't distract you from your today. So I take my marriage one day at a time. And every uh, morning I say, that was a great day of marriage. It doesn't matter the conversations, the arguments. It don't matter what happens. I know what the scripture says. If, that's why I say, you know what? If if the argument, if not the argument, if the discussion, I only call them arguments. If the discussion happens after the sun has gone down, the Bible says don't let the sun go down in your wrath. If the conversation starts after the sun has gone down, I make sure it's fixed before the sun comes up. But what most of us do is we let many sons go down and up before we address the issue. But if you take your marriage, if you take your life one day at a time, you will begin to see the beauty of the day that has been made. In my book right now that I'm writing, and I can't tell you the title because it's such a dope title, but it's a title on confirmation, courtship, clarity, and all that good stuff, right? And in the book I wrote today, I was writing about, um, I just forgot that quick. Holy Spirit, bring it back to my memory. I was talking about, um, man, what was I saying before? I was talking about, oh, this is the day that the Lord has made, right? And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you not know that every day God made for you, no days are the same? God wants us to navigate our days through relationships. The enemy wants us to navigate our days through routines. Routines are not bad, but routines become bad when you don't allow God to interfere with your routines. This is the day that the Lord has made, the writer says. I will rejoice. God, I thank you for this day. Who I'm alive. Thank you, Father. I will rejoice. And the Bible says, I'll be glad in it. That means four hours into it, I'm glad. 17 hours in, I'm glad, etc. What most people fail to do is that they don't think that day is different from yesterday. So they never give themselves an opportunity to have the right perspective to navigate their day. 
life is like a video game. You know, in some video games, whether it's Fortnite, whether it's uh, um, uh, Modern Warfare, um, Call of Duty, no matter what the game is, there are things hidden in that play, in that in that um, uh, uh, a scene that based upon your navigation will help you, will determine if you will find extra bullets, will help you find a, a health thing or whatever. And that's how our day is. Every day I have to be in tune. Holy Spirit, this is the day that y'all have made. <laughs> this is the day that you have made. I'll rejoice and I'll be glad in it. And in this day, I know this is the day that was made differently than yesterday. So I'm not going to job. Then I may still do the same routines, but my relationship is guiding me. So if God tells me to go the longer route, I don't question God. Father, if you tell me to make a left here, I'm making a left. Because so many people are not alive today because they did not hear the Holy Spirit or listen to the. They heard. See, the thing is, everybody heard. Everybody hears God's warnings, but not everybody listens. Everybody who went to work in the Twin Towers or around the Twin Towers on 9-11, all were warned by God. There was not one person that went to work that day that wasn't warned by God. But they allowed their routines to get in the way of that warning and they went anyway. Now you'd be like, Josh, how can you believe, why do you believe that God warned every person, even the atheist, no matter who it is, God warned him. Because in order for God to be the righteous judge that he is, he has to warn people before death. He has to warn people from stupid decisions because he knows that when they die and they stand before him in judgment, right? Or they stand before them in judgment, they can know, they cannot say God never warned them. Good question. Even if it was their time, God warns them. Because, but, God in his omniscient knows everybody's time based upon their free will, but he still warns them, even though they're not going to listen, because he knows that when they die, they cannot come from their heart and say, you are unrighteous judge because you didn't warn them. because God will be able to, in that moment of judging them, say at nine, at eight oh five, I told you why you was getting toast not to go to work today. I told you to make a left. I told you to go to the grocery store, but you didn't listen. That's why it's important for us to enjoy and engage with our days rooted in our relationship with God because it could cost us our lives. Let's keep going. I forgot where I'm at. It is crazy how tempted we are to touch things that say do not touch. <laughs> it is crazy how many of us touch things that has a stamp or a sign that says do not touch. Let's keep going. I wonder why at times. Could it be that we want to see what happens once we touch it? Could it be that we want to relish in the power of choice and to do what we want? Or could it be we are just sinful people that want to break the rules? Next one. No matter what we think, no matter what we think, the person who puts up the sign is the main person who knows why we shouldn't touch it. I'm telling you right now telling you right now. If God puts up the sign in his word that sex should only be reserved in a marriage, then we shouldn't question it. Because he says, do not touch this because he knows. Now he says, hey, and the thing about God is all he has in front of things is a sign. 
He never has no brick wall. He doesn't have no 15-inch thick screen. He says, I, because, you know, I gave y'all free will. I'm not going to keep you from touching it. But at least you know I gave you signs. I gave you signs that says, do not touch this woman. Do not touch this man. You're going to get an STD. Do not go in that bedroom. And what happens is we keep on touching. We keep on touching. We keep on touching. We keep on touching. We be like, well, I haven't got an STD yet. I ain't got no baby yet. The devil loves the delaying of consequences. So what he does is he delays the consequences, delays it, delays it because he wants you to get comfortable with the sin. And when you get comfortable in your sin because the consequence has been delayed, then when it really hits you, condemnation is his heaviest. And so many of us, we knew, I knew he told me not to touch that. Not only in his written word that I already know he told me not to touch it, but he whispered to me moments before I was going to touch it, not to touch it. God said, I'm not going to put no, no uh, um, plexiglass around it. I'm not going to put no bulletproof glass around it. I'm going to let y'all do what y'all want. But you cannot say there wasn't a sign that said, do not touch it. Let's keep going. No matter what we think, the person who puts up the sign is the main person who knows why we shouldn't touch it. And instead of saying why not, we should simply respect the individual request. Wherever you do not have reverence for God, you will not have wisdom. That's right. What you sow, you'll reap. It, it causes deep pain, Keisha. Keisha, it does. We got to understand that wherever I do not reverence God or honor God or understand the reasons why God doesn't want me to do whatever, I'll reach for him unwisely. We should just simply honor his request. God doesn't want us eat. Like, do you think, like, do you think God really wants to keep using redemptive stories? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like me and my wife, I'm so glad we don't have a, a redemptive story. Now we got a redemptive story. Don't get me wrong. We have a redemptive story. Redeemed. We redeemed. But what I mean by that is, oh, I like, like you don't have to have a hard life just to have a good testimony. A good testimony is I didn't touch it by the help of God. I didn't do it by the help of God. I didn't do it. That's a better testimony. Now, I want to say, I don't know. Testimonies are testimony. They're all equal. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is you don't have passed the test. Can't, why, not, why can't our testimonies be tests that we've passed? Not all testimonies cannot, all testimony don't have to be the test that we failed that we eventually passed. No, I want my test. I want I want my testimonies being the test that I passed by the help of the Holy Ghost. I passed a test that seemingly was too big for me, but because of the Holy Spirit, I passed. When are we going to get to a day where we just simply honor? That's right. God definitely gives a warning. Just simply honor what was written, his warnings. And instead of saying, why not? We should simply respect the individual request. Sex, surplus, and certain seasons are not to be touched before their time. Sex, surplus, right? Sex, surplus, and seasons should not be touched before their time. Everybody who doesn't have sex before their time, everybody suffer the consequences of it. Everybody who touched money, a lot of money, and got money but wasn't a good steward, and then paced themselves but got uh, dirty money, money, 
in a dirty way, consequence. You ain't supposed to touch certain money before it's time. Get your money the right way. People who touch certain seasons, I just want to, you know what? I hear God telling me she ain't the one. I hear God telling me he ain't the one. But I'm going to touch this season anyway. Would a godly man still want a woman who aren't virgin? Yeah, yeah. No, let me bring clarity. What I'm saying is I'm not sitting there saying um, that 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 you should feel disqualified from a certain kind of person because you had a certain kind of past. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Listen, a man, whoever God has for that man or woman will be a man who has been cleaned and a woman has been cleaned. So please hear me. I'm not, and by me being a virgin, I'm not, I'm no, I, when I was a virgin, I was no better than a person who has sex a bunch of times. Me not having no partners does not make me greater than a person who had thousands of partners, right? We're just saying there are certain things that comes when you do things the right way. And when you have done things the wrong way and you found the right way and have been consistently going down the right way, then God will still give you a pure, not a subcategory, not something off the clearance rack. He's still going to give you someone who is top notch because of your heart. I question myself as well. Thanks. That's right. No, I don't care how many partners you have. God, God don't care. God knows, hey, when you met me and you allowed me to change you, then whoever God has for you, they, they encourage her. See, but but let me make sure. Let's listen, listen, listen. Let me make sure. Make sure we know this. A, a person who have a woman who had five men can still marry a virgin. Ain't nothing to it. A virgin and a virgin, a virgin and non-virgin, two non-virgins don't matter. God is no respecter of persons. Just because you have five or six partners. God ain't going to be like, like, oh, well, I don't, you can only get these kind of people. No. Hey, God have God has for you what he has for you, who he has for you. And your past does not determine what racket comes off of. See? All right. That's right. Y'all encourage yourselves. That's right. Encourage each other. Sex surplus scenes are not to be touched before the time. A good thing touched at the wrong time will always be dangerous. Sex is a good thing, but it becomes dangerous when you touch it at the wrong time. Marriage is a good thing, but when it's had at the wrong time, it's dangerous. A lion, <laughs> anything that's, that's potent has to be protected. Anything potent has to be protected. It's potent. Its potency has to be guarded because of the effects of it of, of it coming on people outside of timing. Sex is potent. Sex is, is, is potent. It is so potent that it drastically affects every aspect of you. Sex affects your body, your bio, biological, your biology, your emotions, your mind, and your spirit. It affects it all. That's why he says, man, everything that's potent has boundaries. A lion at the zoo has boundaries. Nuclear reactors at a nuclear reactor plant has boundaries. So does sex because of its potency. Because if I have no boundaries and everybody's touching it, then all of a sudden they get hurt. <clears throat> Let's keep going.
a good thing touched at the wrong time will always be dangerous. It'll always be dangerous. God cares about your maturity, period, because your maturity determines your ability to manage. <clears throat> and he cares about how you manage things because he knows the effects of being touched or touching prematurely. God cares about management. If you want to manage a thing, you got to be mature for that thing. You just can't. People think that marriage, people think that money and success and all these different things is great when you have it. People get overly consumed in the moment. People care about timing, but don't care about seasons. Timing is a brief period between two seasons, a season of preparation and a season of promotion. And even the season of promotion is a certain time frame. People get so caught up on a moment, then they, then they, then, then, then so many people get so caught up in a moment that they don't manage or prepare themselves for that moment. So what happens is $20,000 on a wedding, $40,000 on a wedding. All these colors got all of us flying out of the country, spending all this money. You don't put 20 thousand dollars on this wedding. You spend all this money on a wedding, but I don't got nothing towards your marriage. How many people spend so much more money on a moment, on a moment, on a moment, money and energy on a moment of, of, of a wedding that they have nothing left for their marriage? There was a couple that I knew who had $25,000 for their marriage. And a young man asked me, yo, coach, we got $25,000 reserved for my marriage, for our marriage. I said, bro, take 5,000 of that, spend it on the whole wedding, put 20 stacks in the bank. Did they listen? No. All $25,000 went to the wedding. And I was like, if I was in y'all's shoes, I would have spent about good three to four thousand dollars on that wedding and put the other 20 something. Like, listen, if you go into it overly emphasizing a day, but not the days that follow, then the days that follow will be miserable. That wedding day was amazing that you still can taste the buttercream icing in your cake. That pan seared chicken with the with the with the rosemary buttered potatoes, the salad that 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 was colorful. Everybody's there hugging on you, loving on you, eating all of that food, eating your budget. You know, fed the people, fed yourself, and the food is amazing. But soon as the wedding's over, you get on that plane. And then something throws something at you. And since y'all both wasn't ready, now all of a sudden y'all don't know how to handle it. Listen, I rather to, to, to focus on the season after the timing than the timing itself. When you focus on the season more than the season after the timing, than the timing before the season, then the timing would just be a brief moment. You know, that was cool. Listen, my wedding day was amazing. But it was just a day. I'll never do it again. You know what I'm saying? I can never go back, relive it. So that was a great day. But now I'm in the, I'm in the season. Oh, draft night is tonight. There's gentlemen right now being drafted in the NBA. They're being drafted. But they don't know that that college ball is nothing like that grown man ball in the NBA. But if you focus so much on just getting there, 
Oh, so many of us. I just want to get there. We got that, I, that get there spirit. If I can just get there. No, 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 no. I want to get there and stay there. Life is about getting where you got to get to and staying there the full duration that you're supposed to and then leveling up beyond that. If you get so caught up, if I can just get married, no, no, can I, am, am I built up with the stuff to stay married? Some of us are just get, I just want to get married people versus I'm going to stay married people. No, you just can't get there. You got to stay there. But since many of us get there with the exit plan in mind, we get there, we try different people, we get there and we there, but we mismanage there because we don't know how to stay there. I want to stay there, spirit, not a get there, spirit. I'm going to get there, but in me getting in, there we go. Like I always say, marriage is a marathon. You can't train for marriage sprinting. You got to train mile by mile by mile. And you just can't show up to the wedding with your running shoes and ready to go if you haven't trained to do so. If you train for marriage, if you train for ministry, if you train for business, if you train for purpose, like a sprinter, you'll be burnt out within 40 yards. How far do you want to go? Most That's the reason why many marriages only go 40 yards because it's two sprinters running the race. If you want to go 26 miles, if you want to go 30, 26 plus miles, then you better train like that. Do you not know that you have to love the beauty of your wife, the, the, the beauty, the handsomeness of your husband because the external flesh fades? Do you not know that a wife and a girlfriend look totally different? Do you not know that a, that a boyfriend and a husband looks totally different? A girlfriend is glammed up every single day on a date. Your boyfriend, car clean, breath smelling good, dressed nice every day. A boyfriend and girlfriend looks differently than a husband and a wife. You're going to have to see that bonnet. You're going to have to see him in his worst. You're going to have to see her as she transitions. And if you don't love the grandmother of her before she was even a mother, then you ain't going to be able to get to her grandmotherhood. If you don't love the, 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 the grandfather of him already, then you're going to be burnt out when you realize he go, when his mother dies and he goes through a depression that, that when he starts gaining weight, all of a sudden now you want to leave him. All of a sudden, now when your wife goes through a, a traumatic experience, you don't want to be with her no more because she don't match those Instagram models. Do you not know those Instagram models are most of them? Some of them are not wives. Some of us, we want, listen, just because like that's what mess up a lot of men. The difference between a mistress and a wife. Listen, you better know, you better love a wife and just and listen. So many people get so caught up in the idea of what they think marriage to be is that when they really meet a husband and they really meet a wife and that wife has a full life now that she's a wife, that she's you're going to see that bonnet when she's making breakfast. You're going to see that bonnet when she's when she's cleaning around the house and she's not going to have that makeup on. She's not going to look like she did when you was dating her. But if you don't love the grandmother in her, then you're going to be burnt off when she goes through her phases. Same with God. Because you don't know what life is going to bring your wife. You don't know what life is going to bring your husband. And if you're not ready to be a wife to a husband or a husband to a wife, then you're going to be burnt out the moment you see her go through a change. What are you going to do when she has kids? What are you going to do when she has stretch marks? What are you going to do if she gains weight? What if you do if she loses a lot of weight? What are you going to do? 
But if you keep practicing pornography and lust, you keep practicing these different things, then your, your eyes are screwed up. Because all you thinking is satisfy me sexually, satisfy me sexually. So all you do is, well, well, what is that stretch? What, what's that mark there? Instagram models got marks too. They just cover them up. See what I'm saying? So what you do is he knows the devil. Knows, how can I get lust inside of you to skew your mind? You are a good guy just with bad stuff in you. You a good woman just with bad perspectives in you. So you a man messing around with pornography, messing around with lust, and your perspective has been changed accordingly. So out of the eyes, all you see is beauty in, in the world's below uh, definition of the original beauty. So all of a sudden, if your wife, now you're putting pressure on your wife to look a certain type of way, to dress a certain type of way, to move a certain type of way. But don't you know she has to keep a house too? Don't you know she has to take care of kids too? Don't you know that her and you ain't all about you, that you and her are about y'all? And all of a sudden, now you, she has the pressures to perform. Listen, you marriage is not meant for performance pressuring. My wife, I don't put no pressure on her. She don't have to cook three meals a day. She don't. There's no pressure. When you go, expectation is the mother of disappointment. If you go in expecting three meals a day unrealistically, now if she can do it, cool. If he can do it, cool. But if you go into marriage with unrealistic expectations, and then with un when you bring unrealistic expectations in a relationship or partnership or a marriage, when you bring the unrealistic expectation, it now burdens that person. Now they're in performance. They're not in position no more. Their position don't even matter to you. Now they're in performance. A wife who is loved like a wife performs. When a person knows they're in love, they perform better than performing for love. If you see, if you want your wife or husband to blossom, let them perform from your love from them. Don't let them perform for your love. That's right. Now you under, under stress for better or for worse. Now you're up under stress 24 seven. I want my, my wife blossoms because of the rich soil that I am for her. I got to be the right kind of soil. I got to be the soil. And that's why I tell men, your wife is acting the way she's acting because of you. You change, she'll change if you got a woman who loves God. So I never blame my wife for the way she feels. Now, there may be some things, whatever, that God's working on her, whatever, that's all of us. But I don't blame her. I change me. Because if I become more loving, if I become that rich soil for her, then she'll naturally blossom. She'll naturally do things that I wanted her to do because I genuinely became the rich soil that she needs. But so many men go in there lustful and now your wife has to fulfill these lustful expectations and she can't do half or a quarter of the moves of the pornography you've been watching for 10 years or ladies get into a marriage with false expectations of, 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 of demands or false expectation of, of, of how things should be or how things ought to be because now her expectation has been developed from past hurts or the past hurts of the women that mentored her. Ladies, do not be mentored by women who are still hurting. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. It's okay to be mentored by women 
It's okay to be mentored by women who have scars, but not wounds. Fellas and women, do not be mentored by women or men who have evident wounds. Only be mentored by women or men who have scars. Wounds means that issue still fresh in them. Scars mean that thing is old. So a woman gets into a marriage, she got these past hurts, these false expectations, and now that man is walking on eggshells. Oh, every no matter what I do, she's upset. No matter what I do, she's bothered. What I mean by that is, if a woman is still hurting, the advice she gives is in a tone of hurt, which would then uh, uh, persuade or could possibly influence a woman to think of a man a certain kind of way, etc. So, so many people are counseled by hurt people and people don't, and they may not understand it. And now their belief system about men and women are a certain kind of way. And now when they get married, they got a good man overly performing, walking on eggshells because she still got emotional issues and daddy issues. Men, lust, women, their specific issues, certain things are supposed to be dealt with. Michelle, you preach it. Bleeding on people from being hurt. Who are you bleeding on? No, 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 no. I don't got, listen. If, if there's any blood, it's because we in war. It's not because we warring against each other. Woo, Carmen, y'all, Michelle, come all y'all preaching on today. Scars, amen. Wounds need the salve of Jesus. To I have some great subscribers on this channel. Y'all got y'all y'all can preach. <laughs> y'all can preach. Let's keep going. Woo. Let's see. He knows that when you have sex with a person, your body, here we go. Let's talk about sex for a minute. He knows that when you have sex with a person, your body will naturally, naturally, naturally register that this person is your husband or wife and will be the sole person to please you sexually and will log within your mind with your consent if it was pleasurable or non-pleasurable experience. Do you not know? Your body is a machine with a registrar that your body was only meant to have sex with one person. Your vagina was only meant for one, you know, a, a man's private part. Oh, I guess our penis. I guess we could say, so I said vagina, I might as well say penis. And God knows that not all size fits all. My size fits one. See what I'm saying? Your size fits one, right? So when we understand that sex was made for two people exclusively, then the enemy knows how can I get people to have sex outside of that exclusivity, that exclusiveness, getting them caught up in their feelings, not knowing that their body by default begins to register that this person, oh, that's your husband. All right, cool. Now your body goes into motion. Like I went on a fast. I went on a, a bone, a chicken, a beef, or a bone broth fast. So when I went into a fasted state, my body naturally registered after a couple of days, oh, we're fasting. Or after a day or a few hours, we're fasting. I mess up my system if I'm confused. If I'm confused, I mess up my system. If I if I if I if I get my body in a place of detoxification, if I bring my body down here and I and we all on the same page that we're gonna we're gonna fast, but then I drop a hamburger in there. Now I can't get mad when my system's all over the place. 
I can't get mad if I'm all over the place because I just messed up my own system. That's what your body does with sex. You confuse your body because your body's like, Daggum, who's the, who's the, who, who's it? Who's the husband here? Who's the wife here? Now, now we got to register Jimmy size. Okay, this is Jimmy. And if it, we'll put a we'll put a we'll put a P for pleasurable, we'll put an NP for non-pleasurable. Here's Jimmy. Oh, she, now, she, now she got Kenny in her. Okay, or or now 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 men are pervertedly uh causing unnecessary registering in a woman's mind, or a woman is allowing herself. It's it's all this confusion. Now your body's like, who is it? Because now your mind has all these people registered as well. I guess we in polygamy now. Because, because we got four or five people up here and we're confused. Stop confusing your system. You stop confusing your system through clarity, through commitment, through celibacy. Saying, you know what? I don't care how many partners you had in your past. God will forgive you. This is not, this is not a condemnation type of message. I don't care how many people you have. God can remake your vagina. God can remake your mind, fellas. He can remake it all. So where you are made new, any man, any woman who's in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are new. So when you understand that, you don't let the devil condemn you and be like, well, I guess I ain't going to get no man of God because I was a hoe in these streets. Oh my gosh, well, God, now I might as well just settle for him because I was a hoe in my past and God ain't going to give me no holy man because I was a, no. I don't care how much you was a hoe in the past. God knows how to, ref not refurbish hoes, but he knows how to turn a, 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 a woman who was promiscuous into a woman of God. He knows how to turn a lust bucket man into a man who knows how to lead by the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. So you got to make sure, okay, now, now how do you unregister these people? You go before God and say, God, Write down what you get should pay. Write down all your partners. We're talking about people who ain't healed. Write down all your partners that you ever had. And you go before God and you say, God, I, no matter, and write down a situation. God, I forgive this person. I forgive myself. I forgive the scenario that I may have contributed to put myself in this. I forgive them. Next person. Father God, I forgive them. I forgive myself. And I'm letting this go going forward off the list. You do that. And, and if you feel like there's a certain man in your list or a certain woman on your list that you just can't shake, you stay, you stay with God. God, listen, you be honest with God. God, Tyrone, ooh, Tyrone. God, I just can't. God, man, you know that was that was wifey, God. Like, God, that was wifey, God. Man, I thought that was wifey. Now she married with a guy six foot seven, 280 pounds. He better looking at me, God. He talking to me, God. He got more money than me, God. I can't get over her, God. Or, man, but, but will I ever have a man know how to put it down like Tyrone, though, God? It don't matter. You go before God and you ask for clarity and say, and say, God, give me wisdom. Help me to, give me, please, God, help me to get over this person. Because God ain't going to have you, uh, uh, God ain't going to have you with a new person if you ain't over the old person. And that's real. Why would God bring you somebody new if you still infatuated with someone as a whole? You unregister them by going before God with each person individually and he'll restore you. He'll heal you. But if you keep dwelling on them and you keep scrolling down their Instagram page, you will never get better. 
But in order for us to stop this overing, over-registering in our minds, we got to put a stop to it. And we got to put a stop and say, I'm not doing this. Let me go ahead and deal with this person. Give me one second. The block ministry. Coach still, coach, coach is Matumbo now. So that's how it is. Let's keep going. Because for time's sake, I'm going a little bit too long. Yeah, you got to listen. You, you listen. You got to say, you know what, God? I got to block their number. I got to block that whatever. I got to just, there you go. It simply boils down to renewing your mind. The way you unregister these different people is to renew your mind about the situation, about the specific person in a specific situation. Okay. Ah, okay, God. So you really, you really love, you really love me, even though I had so many people. You, you love me despite my past. Like, wow. Like, like, like you really love me. God's like, yeah, boo boo. Baby girl, yeah, I love you. Son, yeah, I love you. I just want to change the way you think about what you've been through so that we can get on to bigger and better things. Heal from them, like my brother said, and stay away from them. Stay away. They're going to look, that big, that big head text going to come in around about 1030. You got to have that person so blocked that you can't even, you can't, they can't even send a raven with a glass and a letter to you. Let's keep going. He knows that when you have sex with a person, your body would naturally register, naturally, just naturally, it naturally does that, registers that this person is your husband or wife and will be the sole person to please you sexually and will log within your mind with your consent if it was a pleasurable or non-pleasurable experience. Right now, you can remember all pleasurable and non-pleasurable sexual experiences. There's two categories. You got about, you probably got about, well, I ain't going to go that deep. You got about two dudes over here and about four over here. You got three girls over here and about five. Pleasurable, non-pleasurable. That's what your mind actually registered. And then if it's pleasurable, your body's going to start developing, okay, how can I get that pleasurable experience again? Because at least she's one of my wives. At least he, at least he's one of our husbands. So that pleasurable experience in your mind now lures you, now lures you into seeking that person over and over again. So the devil knows when he got that good D and she got that good V, he knows that I'm going to give a bad, that's why sometimes he, he probably gives people who are who are not good for you the best D and the best V so that when you do experience with them, now you be like, man, I want that person so bad. And your mind going to be like, all right, she's one of our wives. Okay, he's one of our husbands. Let's, let's, let's devise a plan. Let's devise a scheme. To get back in those jeans. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Let's keep going. Uh, if it was pleasurable, it would now register this person as your mate. But imagine if you keep allowing yourself to be touched. You will confuse your body and now natural comparison will begin. Now all of a sudden, now you're stuck in comparison. Now, what if, what if your husband's two inches shorter? Two inches shorter than the man you was with. Two inches smaller than the man you was with. What if the woman that you marry is 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 celibate, celibate, virgin, virgin? She don't, she didn't throw it back like Chelsea did. She can't throw it back like 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 Laquisha could. You see what I'm saying? Now all of a sudden, now you love her, you deeply love her, you deeply love him, but now you're like, I can't love all of him, I can't love all of her because I still want. Listen, you can't, you can't, you can't build a team. Marriage ain't no team sport. What I mean by that is it's only a team of two. 
But some of us, we in our marriages, we got four or five people in our marriages. You got your wife, but you got the three other women, the three other men, right? Then all of a sudden, now all these comparisons are happening. Well, I mean, I love my wife. Now you're on the phone with your homeboy, bruh. Who? I mean, I mean, I mean, she, 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 my wife though. But man, the sex ain't really like, like you remember, man. You remember when we was in college, bruh? Be like, yeah, man. I remember call you mean Big Booty Judy. Yeah, Big Booty Judy knew how to do the Judy, Judy. You know what I'm saying? She knew how to do the Judy. And then he be like, oh yeah, I remember Big Booty Judy. And now you be like, man. Because, because I, I really want to be faithful, but Big Booty Judy just texted me yesterday seeing how I was doing. What should I do? That's what happens. Now you're on the phone with your girl. Girl, I didn't know that that he wasn't that he that he's just you know two-minute gym. I didn't know he was 30-second Jimmy. I didn't know. What happens is when you have false expectations, even though you love the person, even though you love the person, you don't have patience for the person. Marriage is about patience. Marriage is about long suffering. You got to be able to be so renewed on the inside that it doesn't matter if your wife is learning sex and you've been having sex all your life and you were celibate and and, and, and celibate for four years and you got yourself together, but you married her, but she never had sex before. And it it takes a while for you to do what you got to do. A loving husband will be patient. A loving husband will be like, we'll do it how long it ever takes. And a woman who says, you know what? My husband's, I may have had sex before, but my husband's a virgin or my husband's really wasn't good as uh, in, the, in the beginning and it went so fast. The wife will know how in her body language, the husband in his body language will be able to help them feel and grow. But if we keep getting so caught up in performance, 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 then that person won't blossom. How many wives are not blossoming because of the pressure of their husband? How many husbands are not blossoming because of the pressure of their wives? All because of comparisons. Let's keep going. Now I'm, I'm done after this. But imagine if you keep allowing yourself to be touched, you will confuse your body and now natural comparisons will begin. That's why there are certain seasons to touch and to be touched because your body will register those experiences and those experiences will become memories that can't be a race. The greatest weapon the enemy has against us are our memories. The greatest weapon that God has given us against our memories is a renewed mind. If your memories of your past sexually haunt you now, then you haven't given God that area for him to renew. If you let God renew that area, then you will be able to remember differently. Your past, your memories will never be gone. You always going to remember those significant moments sexually. You always remember those any significant moment of your life. But the beautiful thing about God is he'll change the way you see those things. He'll even change the effects of those things. He, all of a sudden now there's even no comparisons in your marriage because you completely, like God knows how to heal deeply and thoroughly. And when you allow him to renew your mind in those areas and in every area, then when those seasons come and when those experiences happen with the woman of your dreams, the um, the match made in heaven for you, then all those past experiences will not affect your future experience. God wants you to remember differently, but you won't be able to remember differently if you don't renew your mind.
Anything awakened before his time is dangerous. Be very careful who you allow to touch you mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. That's my time. Uh, let me read the last part. Uh, last part of this book. So I feel the Holy Spirit telling me to do so. Um, but let me take some time to address those who didn't touch something prematurely, but were touched inappropriately. A lot of people have been abused and touched inappropriately, leading to significant strongholds. Meaning, there was a lot of people who were raped, molested, abused, and they didn't. It was not their fault. Their lives was intruded upon. Some of you were raped, molested, domestically abused, and you are now dealing with the effects of these moments. Some of you are privately struggling with your sexuality, struggling with living, and some of you are even thinking about ending your life. I want to encourage you that the that one that to encourage you that one touch from God can erase every negative touch from a man or woman. See, Satan wants you to embrace the pain of that negative embrace. He wants you to harbor resentment and unforgiveness, leading you to remain locked in your eternal prison. But God wants to set you free. I know you have taken many showers trying to remove that sexual touch. I know you beat your pillow at night due to what happened to you at your uncle or aunt's house. I know you are struggling, but what Jesus felt from the Roman soldiers, ripping his beard, hitting his face, stripping his flesh, spitting on his face, nailing his hands and feet, and piercing his side was all done so that when you feel what you feel, you can know he suffered beyond those moments so that you can trust him to help you endure. Satan wants you to continuously experience those negative touches over and over in your mind. How many people are still feeling the effects because they rehearse those negative touches over and over in their minds? Satan wants you to continuously experience those negative touches over and over in your mind to fuel the resentment and insecurities in your heart. Buying time for those strongholds to take root and keep you bound. But what Jesus did for you is greater than what any person has done to you. And I'm telling you right now, I don't care if you've been raped. I don't care if you've been molested. I, molested, I don't care if you've been emotionally or physically abused. Jesus has been beaten, stripped, hurt beyond measure for you. And he says... I, there, there's no touch that I can't understand. There ain't no touch because even though I wasn't raped, whoo, even though I wasn't molested, even though I wasn't domestically or physically, emotionally abused in a relationship, I took all of that on the cross. So on that cross, when my father turned his face away from me, I felt what rape felt like. I had to send a rape on me. I had to send a molestation on me. I had all of this on me. And I took it for you. So he knows how to empathize with all of us who have been touched prematurely or pervertedly. But what Jesus did for you is greater than what any person has done to you. What Jesus did for you is greater than what any person has done to you. God designed for us to have healthy ties to our spouses, children, and neighbors through touch. But when we are not aware of the power of touch, we will lead ourselves and possibly others down some dark paths. If you don't respect touch, you'll be that one man that led a bunch of women to be hurt. You'll be that one woman that caused a bunch of men to be hurt. You'll be that one man destroying a marriage, that woman destroy a marriage. You don't want to be that kind of person. Those people are insecure people and they want power. That's right. Who the sun sets free is free. Do I have activity in the book? I don't know if I can see it. For those who have the book, 
And the question is, what negative touches have you experienced and how are they affecting you now? And I'll go more in the book later as they all come together with other activities. But I pray this was a blessing. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to get out your way. This video will post. It will be available uh, for you to rewatch over and over again um, to help you really process some of these things. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this young man, this young woman that's watching me right now, wherever they are. Some watching from London, some watching from Africa, some watching from the United States, some watching from Canada, some watching up the street in North Carolina. Lord, you know how they've been touched or how they have been touching. But God, what you took on that cross for them supersedes whatever they have faced. Lord, let them know that they can be free today by the renewing of their mind through you. Through the authority that has been given to me, I come against every demonic spirit that's coming against my brother and sister right now. Under the sound of my voice, you have no longer any other uh, plot or scheme against them, for they have heard revelation. The Holy Spirit will partner with me to ensure the full duration of this message will be manifest in their life, and you will no longer have them bound, for they have been set free by the truth that has been given today through myself as a willing vessel by the God who, who works through me, who's God over you. And so since I serve a God as God over you, I have power of you, and I command you to loose this person now and let them go in Jesus' name, they will walk in their freedom, and they will be set free from these experiences. Heavenly Father, I turn my attention back to you. Love you. Appreciate you. This message has been see, uh, sent, but I know that has been signed by you, and I know and I pray has been sealed in their hearts for their full success in you. We love you. We appreciate you. Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. If you want one-on-one -on -one coaching, I got you. If you need a little bit more help with these soul ties, you want to talk to me personally, one-on-one, -on -one, I got you. Go to my website right now, Iamunplugged.com, I-A-M-U-N-P-L-U-G-G-E-D.com. I would love to coach you this summer all the way until about August 10th. I may go the whole month of August um, because I know some issues may take a little longer. Um, but if you want one-on-one -on -one coaching, send me what you can do financially. I'll develop a custom coaching for you. Also, if you want to give to support what I do with adult coaching and our youth mentoring programs, we're starting back up in a middle school next year, and we need your support early on so we can be able to um, get the resources and tools they need to serve both the elementary school that I work at and the middle school that the kids from my elementary school are going into. Uh, my email is unpluggedcharlotte at gmail.com, or you can email me or contact me through my website, iamunplugged.com. So if you need coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and y'all be like, yo, you one-on-one -on -one coach, you can ask anybody who in the chat. If there's anybody who's who have life coach, I see Andrea, Andrea, I just coached her this week. There's people in this chat who have coached, they'll let you know. They, you will really get a one-on-one -on -one coach session with me. You will get a worksheet and you will be helped. So if you want some one-on-one -on -one coaching about relationships, about singleness, about branding and marketing, about anything, I'm here to help you. Uh, you need uh, whatever you need. Go to my website. Everything you need to know about me from the six books that I wrote and the card games that I've created. All that information is on my website. I am unplugged.com. Six books, unplugged, World War Me, The Purpose of Singleness, The Purpose of Freedom, Dating Prep, and my first children's book, as he says, Emma's all available. Inside my two card games, Dating Prep. Oh, that card game. I haven't given enough promotion. That card game, I've been getting emails from people how that card game has been blessing them. It's for couples. You play the card game like this. You pick up a card and you ask whatever question. There's three categories. Either you guys are on this uh, cloud phase, the cement phase, or the corporation phase. The cloud phase, y'all just met y'all on cloud nine. There's questions you ask there. When the relationship hits the ground and you're looking around and you like, do I really want to be in this? There's questions because y'all don't hit the cement. 
corporation are questions when you are engaged and ready to be married. There's questions for each level of the relationship. You can play them between, there's three ways to play. One-on-one with your significant other, double date with another couple. There's questions at the bottom. Uh, do you, uh, um, I forgot the thing. Do you remember? Uh, uh, and it's questions that the other person has to ask. Uh, what's her favorite color? You have to get it right. And there's a um, third way to play is through whether through a pastor or a counselor where they pick out certain questions to ask you and y'all have dialogue there. And my second card game is Memory Muscle. It's a scripture memorization of a game where you utilize three ways to play that too. You play it by yourself, just memorize scripture. You can play that with a friend or you can play it in a group. But it's, uh, it's a fun game to help you memorize scripture. I'll be coming out with a new book this fall. Lord willing, this or early uh, winter of the next year. Uh, but all those resources are on my website, Iamunplugged.com. Get your books, get your card games, get your coaching sessions in. They're filling up. A lot of the people that I coach the last three or four weeks are rescheduling. So you have to get in. And um, if you're looking to get me for your uh, uh, co uh, concert, events, whatever, I'm there for that too. But I just pray this message was a blessing to you. I love you guys. What I've done, I've done my part. Now spend time with the Holy Spirit and let him do his part. Because me and the Holy Spirit are in partnership. I do my part. I'm closed. I'm about to go get me something else to eat. But the Holy Spirit is open 24-7 and he's got you. I love you guys. Until next time, keep prepping. Peace.